Hey everyone, welcome to the first draft. Uh, it's time to be frank. Uh, today we got a great panel here for a draft on the most interesting characters and in, or most interesting people in the Bible. Uh, we got Paul Alexander, uh, my my brother Hudson, and uh, Big Kev himself, Kevin McCormick. Um, so the way this is going to work, it's going to be a snake draft. We're going to be drafting who we think is the most important or most interesting rather characters in the Bible. Um, I have the first pick. Hudson had the second pick. Kevin has the third pick. Paul has the fourth. Um, pretty basic stuff. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, it's people. So no spiritual beings are going to be drafted. Uh, as long as they're arguably people, they can be taken in this draft. Um, so thanks for tuning in, and without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, so, with my first overall pick, I think this is an easy 1-1. One -one. Um, it is Melchizedek, a uh, intertestamental character. That was a big word to say, but uh, basically Melchizedek uh, is the prince or king of Salem, king of peace Salem means peace um, he is uh, a character that Ab Abraham meets um, that Abraham tithes to or donates 10% of his wealth to um, and he is brought up throughout Psalms and Hebrews as a guy um, that they point to that not all priests are in the line of Levi but are priests there's another line of priests um, in the line of Melchizedek and Jesus is a priest in that line um, and that's important because that uh, establishes a priestly line that's not um, under the the tribe of Levi so it establishes that Jesus who would be from the tribe of Judah could be a, a priest king in, in, in the likeness of Melchizedek what do you guys think about that pick? Uh, you said no spiritual beings, so Ooh. we should nix this one. I mean, <laughs> the, the spiritual being would be very arguable on that one. There's, it's never explicitly stated that he's a spiritual being. He is treated as a physical person uh, in Genesis, so but, I... But Abraham gives him tribute, right? He does give him tribute. As if he was a, I don't know, a spiritual being? I mean, I think there's... <laughs> Doesn't he give him a tithe? Yes. Yeah, I said that. But that oh. doesn't... Like, I, I, I still feel <clears throat> like he treats... Him, I mean, he calls him the king of Salem. They act like that is a physical place. Um, he's physically in person with him. And there's no explicit uh, statement that it is a spiritual being or that it is God or anything like that. See, but you're not calling Melchizedek he. You're calling Melchizedek it. As if it was a spiritual being. <laughs> I thought I said he, but whatever. Okay. I mean, I'm also is it like a big theory that like Melchizedek is like a pre-incarnate Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's a theory, and it's a big, it's a big theory out there. Like, I guess. I mean, speaking of, so he's a, he's a physical man, but Christ is in the order, like order of priesthood of Melchizedek. Everybody's talking about the theory. 
Then I'm picking Jesus for mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Jesus <laughs> is not allowed. Oh, okay, you did establish but, but that. But pre-incarnate Jesus is? Possibly. Can you have the burning bush? You know, kind of. No, that's not a person. I know, I know. Sorry, I'm just All right. Frank. So, <clears throat> I mean, if people want to veto, they can veto. But I don't, I really don't think it would be a legitimate veto. So, just to give you guys a heads up. Well, this is your podcast, but you... Could you right. shut the fuck up? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To give you guys a heads up, uh, if two uh, members of this draft decide to veto a pick, it is nullified. So, they can at any time do that. It is somewhat subjective uh, as to what qualifies a person for this draft. So, um, but I vote we let him keep this one so that we can just do whatever the hell we want from now on. Oh, anarchy. I'm into it. I mean, each pick <laughs> can be vetoed. You know what? This pick being clearly means a lot to you, Frank. Um, it's, I'm, not, I'm not sure how I'm picking up on that it means a lot to you, but somehow I'm getting a sense that it means a lot to you. So I'm going to let you have it. I'll let you have this one. Yeah. Let this one slide by. Since uh, the other two guys aren't vetoing, I'm just going to say a veto just so my protest is out there. Oh, he's like a dissent in a Supreme Court grid. Like, <laughs> All right, so the pick like stands. Yeah. All right, so Hudson. Hudson's very principled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of principles. For sure. <laughs> All right, Hudson, uh, what's your pick? Well, my pick is a human being, not a spiritual being. <laughs> And part of the reason I find him interesting is I wonder what, how close he looks like to a spiritual being, i.e. Jesus Christ. So my pick is uh, jo- James, the brother of Jesus. Um, part of the reason I pick him is because he was a guy who most likely was the uh, closest brother in age to Jesus because both the times his brothers are listed in the New Testament, he's listed first. Um and he grew up with him, and any time that he's mentioned in the Gospels, uh, he it's pretty much established that he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and kind of teases him about it. Um, but then in First uh, Core 15, it's mentioned that Jesus vi- visited him after the resurrection. And when we see him in Acts, it's a stark contrast to what, how we see him described in um, the Gospels, in as much as he's... Um, a respected leader mm-hmm. in the Jerusalem church. Um, he appears uh, in Acts 1, um, like when they're picking Matthias, he, it's mentioned that he's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, in Acts 12, when Peter's getting out of prison, he says, tell James and the brothers. So mm-hmm. he n- names James specifically. Acts 15, he's the one who's, who makes the judgment yeah. uh, at the Jerusalem council. So we see this guy going from this person who's completely rejected Jesus to being a respected member of uh, the Jerusalem church, which, while Jerusalem was around, uh, that was kind of the central church. And so, and when Paul talks about who he's cleared his theological um, points with, James gets mentioned because it's important to people in that day that James agrees with Paul. I mean, I think you have a, <clears throat> a great argument for why you think he's important. Um, I'd argue the most interesting thing about James, the brother of Jesus, is extra biblical and is the talk about how he died. It's argued that 
he was thrown off the temple, right? And that uh, he was maybe brought back to life and then stoned or something along those lines? Oh, poor guy. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure about the brought back to life part. Yeah. I know extra-biblically he was claimed to have been martyred. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a couple different theories. It's pretty interesting. But the, the, the stories about his death are, I, in my opinion, the most interesting part about him. I mean, yeah, he's important to the New Testament church, but I, he's the brother of Jesus. That's kind of cool. But what, what else did you say that was interesting? Well, okay, so one thing is that I, I kind of wonder how closely he looked like Jesus. Like, because uh, he's immaculately conceptive. So, like, okay, did God make him kind of look like Joseph? Even though he wasn't, or was he, what, sharing DNA? was he sharing DNA, or did God like just say, "I'm going to make him kind of ugly, but not really specific to Joseph"? Maybe he played that up. Maybe he tried to look like his brother. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he just tried to look like his brother more. That'd be interesting too. Like, did he follow Jesus's fashion style? <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is, yeah, he died like his whole life. Like while his brother was alive, he rejected that he was God. But he ended up dying saying that Jesus was a God. And no offense to you, Frank, but I would never die saying my brother is God, you know? Um, I mean, I would, and I I would hope not. Pretty, and I think it's a good idea, <laughs> or, like, it's a good evidence for, like, Jesus being God that we have it recorded outside the Bible that his own brother died uh, saying that he was God. You know I just have to mention. I'm wondering if uh, James also, if James also had um, blue eyes and blonde hair, kind of mm, like Jesus. Mm, you know, uh, <laughs> I've seen the historical. Mm. Wait, are you saying Jesus had blonde hair and blue eyes? I've seen the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you haven't seen them, Frank? <laughs> are, are, are you Team Hitler or something? <laughs> no, I'm just uh, just a well well researched academic. Okay, well, well, I'm just a simple social worker, Frank. I I know that. <laughs> Um, all right, well, high-quality social work. High quality, that's right. Well, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, James, the brother of Jesus, second mm -hmm. off the board. Mm -hmm. uh, that takes us to our third pick. Big Kev, what you got for us? Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Um, I'm just going to go um, just gonna go simple. Just go give me King David. Uh, interesting. Uh, was king. You know, um, man after God's own heart. You know, just this interesting picture of a man who had a lot of issues and God used him. Um, also, recently I've been listening to a book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, and he theorizes that uh, David birthed Goliath was actually not a big upset. That huh. Goliath had no chance because uh, David, David was an expert slingshotter. And so I find that kind of interesting that when the Bible speaks about David killing bears and lions, um, that maybe he was using a slingshot. I don't know if I really believe that, but. Uh, just interesting. I think David's interesting. He's so he's interwoven throughout the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, lots of references. Uh, feels like a pretty safe. I mean, the fact he's still on the board is shocking. Mm -hmm. I would have I would have thought that he'd be gone quicker. So I'll I'll take him. I I adamantly disagree. I one thing I'll say. Oh, disagree. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it's shocking. Oh. I mean, third off the board is is interesting. Who's got more stuff written about him? Wait, Frank, is this is it the most interesting? It or, is the most interesting. Or the most basic. Well, here's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Shut the fuck up. I'm not trying no, to... No, I mean, no, he's right. That is a basic... So for you, this, like, this is basically, like, if you 
wanted to, like in every fantasy football league, Christian McCaffrey won one. <clears throat> Everyone took McCaffrey. You could be interested in draft some other knucklehead, <laughs> but that wouldn't be the right thing. Same thing here. I feel like it's obvious to me. Like the obvious pick is David, <laughs> and uh, I could go interesting, but it's going to tank my team in week seven. <laughs> Here's my argument. Here's my argument. You, in your explanation of your pick, you discredited a miracle that would have been done through David. Well, Does, doesn't that take away <laughs> from his interestingness? You're right. You're right. He's I, just a regular dude, a badass. Probably like, wasn't a miracle at all. It, it, was, it, it wasn't a miracle. God at all. didn't have to help him at all. Goliath's Isaac sucked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, no, no. Goliath had oh, no yeah. chance. No, no, he was no, the underdog. No, but I, no, actually, I think that you have <laughs> proven my point. Is he so interesting that years later people are still trying to explain these miracles because they can't they can't wrap their mind around the fact that God would use this man just to perform some some simple miracles. He's got he's got state power. Two thousand years later, people are still writing about him. I I, I don't uh, see Malcolm Gladwell books on Malcolm's deck. Uh, okay, but I I don't really give a shit what Malcolm Gladwell has to say. I'm just it's saying, not like he's a master theologian. Well, I'm just saying it's interesting though. Like, I I would I would. Who's got cultural state power? We don't we don't call them Melchizedek stories when the underdog beats the you know the the favorite. We call them David and Goliath stories. Interesting. Still li- Look, life, just man. because Rob Bell writes a book about somebody doesn't mean I give a shit. <laughs> so why would I give a shit what Malcolm Gladwell has to say? I think as his life goes on, it gets more interesting, mm-hmm. more complicated. You know, Absolutely. as he's uh, as sin gets in the way. It seems like he doesn't finish very well. Yeah, like a lot of. There's actually quite a few biblical characters that. It's it's yeah. arguable by how many <clears throat> children that he had that he did finish quite well, but. <laughs> More like quite often. <laughs> oh God, Frank. Um, but I agree with Paul. I think I think his. Uh, I mean, the initial part of his story is very interesting. A lot of successes, but I think the failures that come about in his life are also really interesting. I I would argue that what makes him interesting, in my opinion, even though I think for the third overall pick, it's it's I I definitely don't think it's an un underdrafted pick or overdrafted okay. pick. Um, I think it's about right. But what I'd say is uh, he's a man after God's own heart, yet he's also the man that cheated on his wife, or uh, cheated on another man's whatever. Yeah, had it, had an affair with another man's wife and then murdered murdered that man, had that man murdered. It's quite bad. I mean, there's interesting. I think it's interesting that he's bad. the man after God's own heart when yeah. he did those things. And, and Absolutely. Yeah, he's, he's, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. We... We could spend the rest of our time here just unpacking. Frank, you're just proving his pick was good. Shut yeah, up. Thanks, I might be biting myself in the ass. No, I, I think, I think uh, you know, for the sake of time, we should probably move on from David because we could spend a lot of time really discussing yeah. how pick this is. So. And unlike Melchizedek, he was human. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well, you're taking a theological stance with that statement, sir. A uh, controversial one, which is potentially true, but, uh, I mean... All right, all right. I, I think we should move on. Paul. Yeah, yeah, Paul. What, what's your uh, first pick here? <clears throat> well, I think what's interesting to me is probably not, not to everybody, but um, so a lot of my picks that I was thinking about are ones that did took crazy steps of faith for God, like absurd. And so one, you know, one I was thinking that I wanted to take first that. I, guy I admire is interesting is Ezekiel. So Ezekiel's called as a prophet 
and you know prophet spoke on behalf of god but part of what he did was he let his he let himself become an illustration of god's points not just in word but his body like in chapter four god tells him to take a piece of clay carve the uh jerusalem on it and then on this piece of clay also carve the the city being besieged and then he says lie beside i want you to lie on your left side uh for 390 days straight without switching sides think of the bed sores and stuff as a imagery of you carrying the sin of israel on your right side and then uh the only thing i want you to eat during that time is i want you to eat bread that was burned over feces as a sign of how because of the israelites sin they're going to be taken out of jerusalem and then forced into a land where they're eating uh, uh, blemished food <laughs> and ezekiel did it there was no argument with god it was right away hopped right on his side for over a year straight as this personal example of what god's message was like let himself be the illustration i think that's pretty badass so yeah i mean you know it's it's interesting that when we bring up most interesting people in the bible your mind instantly goes to the guy who lays on his side for over <laughs> i think that's telling i think i might be gifted in prophecy if that's what prophecy is. <laughs> What? For those of us who are lazy, this is a... <laughs> oh, he's your hero. Yeah, he's a hero. Oh, okay. Well, that... I, 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 get, I respect the pick. I mean, you're definitely going for the authenticity, the uh, integrity pick. I mean, right? I feel like I was an illustration of God for the last year and a half with COVID, you know? Mm. Just laying in bed all day. What? Just, no, for, just for God, right? Yeah, just for God. <laughs> I respect that, Watch dude. those hours of TV. <laughs> yeah. Real hero. <laughs> oh, a uh, quick thing I, that I realized uh, to and not to sidetrack us, but with David, I can't believe oh. we didn't. I can't believe. <laughs> hey, so hey, hey! I, I know I fucked up. Whatever. Bitterness. But I can't believe we didn't mention the fact that he had to cut off a hundred foreskins uh, of the men that he like. What, did he have to kill them? I don't. I don't think he circumcised them alive. I think he cut off a hundred foreskins. Uh, to marry Saul's daughter. I think that's pretty interesting. Okay. I mean, some some guys are interested by that kind of thing. And it's a, this is a safe place for you to tell us about Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It's just, All right, Paul. All right. Yeah, I think Ezekiel... It's just friends here, Frank. Ezekiel's great thing. Right now, yeah, I, if, I, if I can sit really over-under on the amount of times Frank's going to talk about David the rest of this podcast, <laughs> Man after God, man after God's own heart, not afraid to uh, cut a couple dicks. That's right. All right. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. so I, I do want to say about uh, Paul's pick for Ezekiel. I thought you did a really good illustration. I think it was an appropriate fourth overall. Pick. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right, nice job. Much better than the host response. Thank you. What, my, what, Frank, oh. Frank's a tough. <laughs> All right. Well. 
since somebody doesn't have thick skin down there, Paul, what, 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 what's your next pick? That's right, I go again, right? Yeah. Well, I'll go with uh, similar. Uh, similar to Ezekiel. Uh, um, oh. Wait a Who was I thinking? Oh, we have, we have, uh, we have a mind that's gone, uh, gone astray. Oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. <clears throat> so similar to Ezekiel, uh, willing to allow his life to be an example of the message of God, you have the prophet uh, Hosea. Now think of this man. God, God tells him, he says, Hosea, go and, uh, go and take for you a, a wife who is a prostitute and um, she's going to end up leaving you and what I want you to do is to go and buy her back from her John or from her uh, her pimp and um, you think there were pimps at that time what would whoever she he, she has to pay to get her um, that's fair as an example of how God feels about his people abandoning him and going to other gods, other sources, other idols for their deepest needs. That's how he feels treated by us, by a humanity that's left God and has chosen to give their heart to those who don't deserve it. And... Uh, what I just I just think it's uh, beautiful. I think it's it's interesting. I think it's confusing. Why would a man like Hosea be willing to to do this? And it's uh, it's out of a love for his God, who he's willing to give his whole marital life uh, in order to represent the message of God here in this moment. That's uh, I don't know if I could do that, you know. And so that's that's interesting to me. Solid pick. Paul, I'm not sure if any of your uh, any of your picks are going to be on my list on my draft board, but uh, I can't argue that pick. I think it's pretty interesting. I also think it's interesting that his wife's name was Hagar, because uh, you don't really think of something sounding like that being a feminine name. <laughs> I actually but, just bought a pair of pants from Hagar. Really? Or Hagar, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so that's, there you go. Uh, okay, well, naming a... a Pants company. After that, that's interesting. Must be beautiful pants. I hope they're nice pants. Yeah. Was that was Hagar on your list? No, no. But that name is good. I mean, I, I, I it may have been a, a miss on my list. Hosea okay. may have been a list on yeah. miss on my list. Uh-huh. Your pre-draft research has failed you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I like Hosea. It's because he picked David for like the other fourteen. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that's fair enough. He yeah. Was, he was on my board. Yeah, I, mean, David was. I think it's definitely interesting that God told a dude to marry a prostitute like that yeah, right there. That's right. just like, wow. I mean, wow. your explanation, or like the Bible's explanation of that makes a lot of sense, mm. but uh, yeah, it is just wild. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of uh, against what normal people would think. The Bible actually has a lot of positive things to say mm-hmm. about prostitutes. Mm. I mean, you got Hagar, like you have God's servant marrying a prostitute. Yeah, hey, I thought we weren't revealing uh, future picks. Hagar? 
other pros you were about to name other prospects. No, I was. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a fair point. All right. Mm. Uh, up? Uh, yep. yes, you are, Big Kev. Okay. Uh, give me. Uh, man, my my pre-draft research has failed me. Give me Caleb. Um, mm. you know Caleb back there and uh, numbers. You you know you have the the spies going to the land. Caleb's one of the two spies who checks the land out. And is like we should take the land. And then they don't take the land. They, they, they cower because apparently these dudes are huge. Um, get, get afraid. We find out years later, um, 40, 50 years later, I think, that when going back in to finish the conquest of Canaan, Caleb's still ready to go. Huh. That he had maintained the zeal and fire he had for mm -hmm. 50 years. So mm -hmm. I think he's interesting just because there's not a lot said about him. Mm -hmm. But you just think, like, you know, that's a long time to keep the same fire, mm -hmm. you know, energy you had initially um, after some really big disappointments and to still be ready to go when the day came. So I think Caleb's really, a, a character I think is really, really interesting. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. Another pick that wasn't on my draft board, um, and I'd actually stand by that on this one, but that's not the worst pick in the world. That's fine. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I think that it's cool that uh, that dude is like very able to resist peer pressure especially with like him being one of two spies that says oh we're good to go take out this land because god's on our side and then you know he's in you know living with the rest of the people that kind of rejected the idea of going invading that land for you know mm -hmm. decades and he's still mm -hmm. this one, one of the few people who's like believes in the power of god to to help them invade this land. I think he would be a high pick in most faithful characters in the Old Testament, arguably the Bible. Uh, the problem is that we're an interesting, so I, maybe. I think, I think it's just, he's one of those guys where it's like, you know, I think sometimes the, uh, what you do know is less interesting than what you don't know. So what was Caleb doing those 50 years? We don't know. It's interesting. Fun to think about. Eating some mana, hopefully. Yeah, that I'm shit sure. would be good. I'm sure he was doing well, <laughs> doing well for himself. Um, anyway, that's what I got on Caleb. I don't have a whole lot there. I think he's only represented in a few different verses, but uh, just a sneaky pick. Maybe I draft him a little above his ADP. We'll see. I really wanted him. You know. Well, to be fair, I okay. I, I I'm gonna bite myself in the ass a bunch this draft. Apparently, it is kind of cool that he wasn't afraid of arguably giants. Yeah. In the land of. Canaan. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, he's bold in that way, too. So Take some stones. He, he definitely, I'd say balls. Balls would be there in Caleb's case. Thanks. Frank, you're really helping me make a lot of points tonight. So Circumcision balls. Yeah. What else? Circumcision, yeah. <laughs> Circumcision balls. Yeah. I mean, you, dude, you keep on uh, saying Kevin points, Kevin's points sucks it. and then supporting it. I appreciate it. I think about it more than it helps a little bit. You're a good podcast. You know? <laughs> You're a visual thinker. Yeah, I guess so. I guess. I mean, <laughs> bringing up uh, male genitalia a few times already. All right. Uh, Hudson, it's your your pick in the second round. So we were already talking about David. I I uh, I don't think anybody was ever, or anybody else had this on their board, but I find this guy really interesting. Absalom. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why is because, well, first of all, the beginning of Absalom's story is is a, one that is intensely emotional, where 
he finds out that his half brother raped his, I think, full sister, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you know his full sister runs to his house like describing the event to him, and he sees his father, uh, the father of all three of them, do nothing about this for two years, to do abs- pretty much absolutely nothing about mm-hmm. this, and he's so enraged, and he le- and he lets this bitterness build up, and he you know it's clear that he's angry at his brother and he's also really almost I mean I would say righteously angry at his father for not doing anything when mm-hmm. his father's son raped his sister so he eventually ends up murdering his brother which you know is not a good thing but I you know if somebody uh, in that circumstance I understand where he's coming from and uh, he, he actually murders his brother in front of a bunch of other brothers and then they run home to his dad and he runs up to his uh, his mom's father in in another kingdom, and he hangs out there. And then his dad misses him, uh, and so he calls him back uh, to Jerusalem. But then says, "You're not going to see me, but I want you in the city that I'm in." And so that goes on for like a couple of years, and then eventually uh, he eventually draws, I think Joab's attention, and tells him, "Hey, you should tell my father." Like get me in there with with the king and eventually he goes and sees the king and uh, and David treats him like a from what I've understood David treated him more like a subject than a son a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really angered him and and seeing his father's passivity uh, not only in not disciplining the son that raped his uh, his father's daughter but also like kind of just bringing him back but not really making a decision either way like just having kind of a passive uh, relationship with Absalom Absalom's like I'd be a better king than that dude I'd actually make decisions and I'd you know I would uh, I would uh, actually defend my kingdom and if somebody like if my daughter, daughter got raped I would take I would show some sort of discipline on that if uh, my kingdom got messed with I would show some sort of discipline on that and so Absalom starts like a coup and uh, gets uh, a large uh, following and eventually gets an army um, that uh, he ends up taking over Jerusalem and then he ends up uh, not killing his dad but he ends up in a final battle with his dad's army. And his dad, um, who's, who's got such mixed feelings, loves his son but also you know, hates what his son's doing, says to his soldiers, uh, if you find Absalom, don't kill him. Bring mm-hmm. him to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Joab, the uh, what I would say is the arbiter of violence in, Je- uh, in David's kingdom, the guy who's just not to be messed with and will kill you if you uh, <laughs> Everybody piss him needs off. one of those guys. Uh, well, David did, because yeah. David didn't make, you know, he wouldn't want to uh, assassinate him. But, um, except for, uh, Bathsheba's not there. Um, but, uh, so then Joab finds Absalom tangled up in a tree, and, uh, his, Absalom had really long hair, and his hair is stuck in the tree, and he's, like, just <laughs> stuck. So Joab stabs him in the heart, and then gets a bunch of dudes to beat him, and so he's definitely dead, and then he bit, digs a hole and buries Absalom in the ground, and then shoves rocks on top of it. So it's the ultimate sign of disrespect um, 
So I just think it's interesting because I think he's a he's a sympathetic um, antagonist to David. Um, and yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, I think I think you made a really good case. Uh, I think it's problematic in my opinion that I left him off my draft board. Um, the other thing I'd say, if, if there's anything we've learned from this craze of true crime, is that murder is interesting. So you got you got a lot of murder. You got you know, even it, true crime includes like you know rape and shit like that. So you're basically got a true crime podcast right there. So I I'd say he's got daddy issues. Daddy issues. For sure. Daddy issues. I held myself from saying something stupid there. Thank you, thank. You. <laughs> um. We'll leave that up to the imagination. All right. Um, well, I think it's a good pick. Yeah. What? Do you, what? Why? I just. Uh, it's interesting. I'm. I'm, I'm very interested. Uh, I think the whole. Uh, I just think the whole. The whole implications between you know, uh, David, and his fatherhood. You know, it's just so interesting that it comes back to David. Uh, that it's so interesting that like this this really boring character I chose in the first round, David. Has such a big impact on the second round draft. Oh, pick. Uh, it's just fascinating how it's all intertwined. I bet Frank would like it then. Yeah. So that's all. I was going to say that. I, I, I think the case is really interesting. I think it's, I think it's, it's just it's, it's sad how it all plays out. It's, a tra- it's like a real tragedy in a lot of ways. Yeah. My criticism of the David pick is 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 pretty bad. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, Wait, is it your, Frank, your pick now? Frank? Yes, it oh, is double, my pick. A little double Frank. Oh. oh I get. I get two, two classics right here though. This is my second and third, like choices. So I'm I'm ecstatic to get these guys. Um, you know the first one I'm gonna go with. Now wait, are these were these really your number two and three? Yes, yeah. I'm oh, still at on the, the board. Still on the board, uh, and I'm surprised. I mean, I, it's interesting how this draft has gone so far. Um, my second pick, I'm gonna choose. A non-Jewish king or emperor, uh, Mr. King Nebuchadnezzar. I think he is incredibly interesting uh, for multiple reasons. One, you know, you have the the amazing story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Mm -hmm. um, where King Nebuchadnezzar um, wants people to worship a statue made of him. And uh, when these three Jewish um, uh, exiles see him, when these three Jewish exiles see this, uh, this statue, they don't bow down and they, they uh, rebel against the decree and he throws them into the fire. Um, and then he witnesses these three men who uh, survive you know, this crazy uh, fire that goes on. But the really cool thing, I think, is in Daniel 4 where um, God basically decides that he's going to pursue King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and God uh, makes a prophet, or has a prophecy through Daniel where he's like, this guy's going to basically become what, have the mind of an animal for seven years. And Nebuchadnezzar has the mind of an animal for seven years until um, he basically comes to this place of brokenness where he's like god you are lord and and so god's basically breaking him of this pride that he has that you know he's the king he's the badass he's 
you know, he's what people should look up to. And he and, and God humbles him by giving him the mind of an animal. Um, and, and by the end of the story, Nebuchadnezzar is looking up at God and he's like, you're the one that people should worship. And so I think, you know, the whole the whole story of him, you know, having the mind of the animal for for seven years, him um, really meeting God in, in a super interesting way. I think is is um, I don't know. That's what I find interesting about him. What do you guys think? I think you have a thing for non-Jewish kings. Mm. Your first and second pick were. Pick you were. Mm. Well, Melchizedek was yeah, pre point. was pre uh, Israel. Yeah, yeah so non-Jewish. Correct, but arguably <laughs> Salem could be the the physical place of Salem could be, you know, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, um, so could be in the land, but not Israel. Yeah, I like the Nebuchadnezzar pick. The whole eating grass thing too is pretty cool. You know, like I mean, it's not a lot of not a lot of people have that going on in their lives. So mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. You saw some stuff. You definitely you definitely seen some things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's cool. I, I like Nebuchadnezzar. It's good good pick. Also, Thank you. also uh, he's uh, he's known outside of the Bible as yeah. a Babylonian king. There's, I was just looking at it here at a stella of him that they found him standing next to a ziggurat. You know, these were that's cool. So a historical figure too. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, king of Babylon, which Babylon has a lot of lot of uh, points throughout the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So my next pick. First pick of the third round, I am going to pick, um, well, I guess it's another non-Jew, but uh, Enoch. Mm. Enoch is a very interesting figure. That's a good one. Uh, First of all, you know, he comes up, I believe it's Genesis 5, he comes up um, and basically lives for 300 years, which at that time in biblical history wasn't super long. And then he like ceases to exist. We're led to believe that he didn't die. He's one of two major uh, biblical figures that didn't die. I'm not going to say the other one. Not going to give up picks here. But um, the other thing I'll say is he's also mentioned in the New Testament in the Book of Jude. I believe also in Second Peter, um, and he's mentioned um, when they quote the Book of Enoch, which is a very incredibly interesting book but basically it surmises that Enoch went to heaven and and saw visions um, that had to do with like the end times and has to do with a sect of angels called the watchers um, some really interesting stuff comes up in there um, it's quoted in the Bible um, so there's some merit to this book I don't know how much it's hard to say how much um, but the idea and, and it seems to be pretty biblical based is that when Enoch um, ceased to live when he basically went up to heaven um, he saw things and talked to God and then came back and uh, revealed prophecy um, to the Jewish church and, and at least the New Testament authors of Jude and Peter seem to be supporting that this happened um, and yeah, I mean, if you look, if you check in Jude Hudson, who just um, no, I know Jude. I don't know about Peter. 
I, I believe Second Peter mentions it. Hebrews mentions him as well. Good Hebrews and uh, Luke mentions Enoch in his genealogy, but I was looking at Enoch earlier, and I really don't think Peter mentions him. I think Second Peter two is known as a passage that parallels a lot with what um, is talked about in Jude, and so that's. But it doesn't necessarily. I believe it quotes the Book of Enoch. Don't hold me to that, but I'm I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. about that. Um, there's a, there's examples too, though, of uh, like Paul quotes, uh, you know, says like your your own people say Cretans or whatever. I forget where it is, but uh, he quotes a philosopher. Not not to say that he's claiming that they're they say is uh, from God, you know, so could be something similar to that where he's quoting something popular of the day, but not, a, you know, Jude wasn't attempting to claim that book was uh, canonical. I don't, I don't think by any means it's canonical. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it was arguably written in the intertestamental period. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, it, it'd be hard to say that Enoch wrote it. Um, right. But if if you were going to present that idea, it would be because he came back, mm. like, whenever, and wrote <laughs> it in the intertestamental period. That seems pretty far out. I'm not going to say that's true. Um, but maybe from oral history, somehow, yeah. um, the story got passed down. Um, but I, I think, you know, there... Uh, there's a lot within the book of Enoch that's really interesting. Obviously, that's not canonical. That's not the Bible. Um, the only uh, church that, that views it as canonical is the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Really? Um, yes, they do view it as canonical. Really. And um, and they are part of the reason why we've been able to keep the... They, they have the oldest like full script of the book. We have Dead Sea Scrolls of the Book of Enoch. Really? Um, but they are the ones who kept, which which are like snippets and clips or whatever. But um, they're the ones who kind of kept it intact, and they have that. And I believe the Book of Jubilee um, in their canon. Um, but yeah, I mean, most Christians and including myself would not consider the Book of Enoch uh, canon, and um, and we shouldn't. Plus, it's one, interesting. I just want to ask one quick question about your Enoch pick. Um, how many references did you say? How many times was he mentioned in the Bible? Maybe three? Well, Hudson added like two. So maybe five? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's probably I mean, four. Four. Interesting. Interesting. It's so interesting that. I, I, <laughs> it's so interesting that your second round pick is a guy who's only mentioned four times. My first round pick has over 1,100 mentions. I'm just going to say that. Just going to put it out there. Uh, just put it out there. <laughs> to, See, to quote what you're saying is the Bible seems to find David more interesting. Oh, I, I'm not saying anything. I'm just putting to it quote, out there. Well, you did say something earlier. To quote what you had to say about Caleb, you know, there's oh, a lot sheesh. There's a lot left up to, uh, to the imagination. We don't know a whole lot about him. You know, it doesn't say a whole lot. Uh, and, and I think in the case of Enoch... Uh, that is very much the case, um, and what is said about him is incredibly interesting. I agree. Um, I agree. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. All right, and it's a third rounder. It's not like so, my first pick. Yeah. So just just to uh, correct my previous point, so it's not Enoch is not mentioned in Second Peter, but Second Peter two four could be a reference to something mentioned in the book of Enoch. Oh, that's what. 
Uh, some okay. people say. Nice. Um, I like the pick. Yeah. But either way, yeah, I mean, Enoch, uh, the book of Enoch's uh, kind of weird. Ob- it, it, from what I've read, it, it uh, seems to have parallel passages or possibly quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. And so it's, yeah. I, as you said, the only possible way that that would be legitimate is if it was written after he had been taken up. He also, it was 365 years he lived. Uh, I'm pretty oh, sure. Because cool. he was 65 years old, had a son, and then lived for 300 years. All right. Just like the lunar calendar. Yeah. Fuck that one up, but yeah. So that was your second round pick? I think you had one. That was my third pick. My second round pick was Nebuchadnezzar. Oh. One thing I will say. All right, right, good point. Really quick. I don't know what he's what Paul's staring at me weirdly for. It looks like a threatening gesture. Yeah, it did. Be careful. <laughs> Last thing I'll say that I think is interesting is that the Book of Enoch uh, presents the idea that astrology, like all the you know star signs and shit like that, was taught to us by fallen angels who fathered the Nephilim. Whoa. And it, that it's a dark magic that was presented to humanity through these fallen angels. Huh. Which I think is incredibly interesting one, and I see, I, I kind of think there's some merit to it. I think there, I think you know, I'm I, I'm not by any means opposed to that theory. You mean astrology? You think astrology is real? I think it. I, I well, I mean, I think there's something that there's a reason why a bunch of people believe in it and see things in it, and I, I think there's something to it. I I, I'm not saying my, it's all real. With my my daily newspaper columnist who. Tells me what my sign means. That's all. That's all I think that you need to have there for mm-hmm. some basis. You know, <laughs> thought it was created by the Columbus Dispatch. Give me to read the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the editorials a little more. So. Yeah, Dispatch or Fallen Angels. Yeah, it's well, I mean, yeah, I'm it, going with the Wolf Family personally. It but. seems kind of <laughs> demo- like demonic magic kind of thing when necessary. So, it, to support your point, Frank. Uh huh. So that book is probably pseudepigrapha. You know, falsely attested to him. Correct. Why would they pick a book? Why would they pick his name if he wasn't interesting? Right. Right. They pick someone interesting that people would say, "Ooh, I want to read that." There's the guy that. Which pseudepigraphal books? There are some in the Bible, correct? No. Okay, I think it's common in intertestamental period. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But not in the canon. That means it's. Would it be in? Are there some in the Catholic canon? Because uh, I know more inter intertestamental books are in the Apocrypha. Yeah, pursuit of Pigrapha just means that it's attributed to the an author that who really didn't write it, like Thomas or something. Okay, okay but Thomas, like, yeah. mm-hmm. I guess technically speaking, you're talking if, if you're talking about the passage where it describes Moses's death in uh, the end of the fifth book of the Bible, I think that's Deuteronomy. Mm. That would be slate. Mm. Well, and then you could argue, like, 2 Samuel goes Mm. well beyond the life of Samuel. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, it's attributed to Samuel, but it's not... I mean, most people would not argue that it was written by Samuel. Probably Enoch. Well, (laughs) you're shoving... You're shoving words into my mouth. Yeah. That was a good callback one right there. Yeah. That was a good callback. Well, do we need to we need to get on to we, we, Yeah, we need to get to Hudson's pick. <clears throat> okay. I, you know, I think I'm going to retread some ground I went on the first uh, first round, but I, I, I still think this is a, also a fascinating character. Joseph, the father of Jesus. Mm. 
Um, and uh, in as much as what we know about him is he was a carpenter. He, uh, in, in uh, Matthew, he's described as a righteous man who, um, when he found out that his uh, betrothed um, Mary was pregnant, he was going to, rather than, like, take her to court, and he could have, like, literally got her, like, executed for that. Um, he uh, was going to let her, like, divorce her quietly. and um, But then he just, then an angel of the Lord visited him in, in his dream and uh, told him, no, Mary had a son because God gave her a son, and she didn't have sex to get it, and uh, you should name him Jesus. And he follows through with that, and then the angel, then an angel visits him in another dream and tells him to uh, go to to get out of town. Um, and uh, yeah, so he gets out of town, and goes to Egypt. Um, I think the other thing that's interesting is uh, Joseph is uh, noticeably absent during the period of Jesus's ministry, um, which would lead. And this is speculation, so this is not necessarily 100% true, but um, he possibly, probably died before Jesus' ministry. Um, but we also know that Jesus was trained as a carpenter. Um, and if anybody said, would say they think it differently, yeah, please, in one second. Um, so, like, the one thing is, I think it's interesting that he got to train the incarnate God, like, you know, mm. the human God in a uh, field of profession. Um, and it seems like he had some influence on Jesus, like, I mean, and as much as he was a carpenter. You know, you, you can't really, you don't have much more than that, but it would be fascinating to see somebody who has this relationship with Jesus as, as you know, you know, his, his true father is the father in heaven, but, you know, is, 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 a paternal role in some level um, and you know God has Joseph take care of uh, Jesus in multiple situations um, so I, I just think it would be interesting to meet that dude, it would be interesting to yep. talk to him it would be interesting to say oh like so what happened, did you die before Jesus' ministry, did you leave um, and uh, yeah I think it would be, he'd be a cool guy to have a beer with see I I think your pick's good, but why, uh, why him over Mary? Well, it goes back to what you said before about Kevin's pick on uh, David. Uh, it just seems a little basic. Uh, you know, nobody's praying to Joseph. No. But the Catholic Church, uh, you know, has people praying to Mary. And, uh, so you like the underdogs? I like the underdogs. I like the overlooked guys. Mm. I like the guys you have to read between the lines. I, I mean, this pick is... I, That's why you look, like Frank. He's okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> look, Joseph is okay. I don't think you have to read between the lines on Frank, though. He's a pretty open <laughs> dude on that front. Yeah. Joseph, Joseph is okay. But, I mean, when I said, you know, most interesting people in the Bible, apparently you heard... Family of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Most interesting members of the family of Jesus yeah. Christ. You couldn't take Jesus, so you're like, oh, oh I, I got my draft board. It's just everybody else. And Absalom. Everybody else in Jesus' family. 
Well, technically speaking, a lot of the characters in the Bible are Jesus' family because there's a lot of ancestors of Jesus that are folks. Oh, yeah, like you consider your so, great... So, I mean... In, in the same way that... Enoch, jo- your last pick. Technically, he was a relative of Jesus. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you, oh, so, you, oh, so I need to get crap about... My, my that's a terrible point. That's a terrible point. It's true. Do you consider Adam your family? Yeah. <laughs> Technically, yeah, he's a relative. Well, the, I mean, one, you're, one, you're taking a strong theological stance with that statement, and then two, you don't in real life. Like, name your great, great, great grandfather. I can't. Yeah, because you don't know shit about him because he's not a fucking family. You don't have, I didn't have these. I didn't have these sweet genealogies listing my relatives. You haven't. You haven't given the government all your information so they can figure oh. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. Yeah. You, haven't, right, right. you yeah. haven't gotten vaccinated, so they don't have your. I've gotten vaccinated. I've gotten vaccinated. Take a turn. I think Joseph's cool. I think it's interesting just thinking about what it'd be like to, you know. Have your son be Jesus. Oh, I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, let's just, you know. Oh, it'd be cool to be Jesus' friend. Oh, it'd be cool to be a girl <laughs> at a well who met Jesus. Oh, it'd be cool, you know, if... It, it, I think I, you're taking a theological stance now. That all these people have really mundane interactions with the... I don't the think that's God. theological. That's subjective. Frank, but, have you met Jesus? Uh, not in person, but yeah, spiritually, yes. We need to tell him about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, I think it's crazy to me that you've had two picks in his family in the first round, and, 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 and you haven't picked the woman who had a virgin birth. She didn't have sex. There's a whole I just, show. I just there's explained a whole, that. But there's okay. a whole show. That, there's a reason why it's interesting. Jane the Virgin, about a virgin having a kid, there's a whole great dramatic show about that shit. And, and people still talk about it like 2,000 years later in pop culture. And God the Father. <laughs> so interesting. Impregnated her. That's interesting as fuck. I can't believe you chose James and Joseph over Mary, the mother of Jesus. Well, we'll I'm see. glad. We'll, we'll see what he does in the fourth round. I'm eternally glad that I don't have your draft board, alright? Uh, <laughs> My pick. Yes. Are yeah, you? Just, just give me a. Still out there? Give me Alicia. Um, Elisha? I always been I've been an Elisha guy personally. Um, maybe it's Elisha, but uh, tonight I'm saying Elisha, and uh, I hope that you can be charitable to my uh, enunciation. Um, All right. I think Elisha is interesting. I think it's it's he's a cool character because um, you know he came after the prophet Elijah. Uh, clearly had a friendship. There's a meaningful thing there. Um, and then is given like the same commission as Elijah. It's, it's slightly different, but like. Uh, you see, like, all the miracles Elijah performed. And I think I like Elisha because you get, like, kind of the mercy side of God for, like, just the common folk. Um, like, there's the woman who, I think the widower that he provides oil and, uh, like, flour to uh, because she lets him stay there and he provides it for, for her for a long time. Um, he has, raises an axe head to the top of the water, saves mm. his guy's livelihood. He, he cures the... Um, the spoiled stew that saves men from eating it. And then it's so crazy because after he dies, they throw his body in a grave. And when it touches someone, that guy comes back to life. Mm. And so that's pretty cool. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. That's like, I, I think that's just the kind of cool one where it's like, I don't know, I don't have much else to say about Alicia, mm-hmm. but uh, I think his life 
just the everything chronicling his life is just wildly fascinating. Seems like a good dude. Probably a guy you get a beer with, really enjoy. You know, I like Alicia. I I agree with that pick wholeheartedly. Um, this is the most positive viewpoint I've had. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely on my board. Um, I think also, didn't he like send like a bunch of kids were being disrespectful and he sent a bear after them? <laughs> yeah, I think it's one way to characterize that interaction. That's um, pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it might be also a mob of hell- hellions uh, who wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's different ways to look at that. There, he did, yeah, he did. yeah, yeah. A she bear, actually. Several, two she bears, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Alicia's got a really interesting. That makes it better. Song. Yeah, it's, it's two. <laughs> it's female. Female bears. Um, <laughs> I like Alicia. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a strong pick. I, I think uh, I think I'm surprised it didn't get picked earlier. I think that's a steal in the third round, and uh, I commend the pick. Thanks, Frank. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Solid. All right. Well, uh, Mr. Alexander, uh, you're on the clock All with right. your third uh, third round pick. Is it fourth now or third? Third. third. Your last pick of the third oh, round. Okay. Okay. And then you get the first and the fourth. All right. Well, I like the underdogs, too, so I'm going with the Judge Shamgar, who uh, judges three. There's only one verse about him. It says, Shamgar, the son of Anath, struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty badass. That's, that's actually where uh, we got the, uh, the, the name Shamwow, I think, was stolen yeah. from the Shamgar. You can clean 600... <laughs> Puddles of water with the shamwow. Really? <laughs> that's that's a, well, that's an interesting point. Wait, so uh, here's, what's, here's a, what's twist. a goad? What's a goad? Okay, here, this is kind of the twist to it too. So, when the Philistines had taken over, they had gotten rid of all the blacksmiths in Israel, and in order for them to sharpen any of their tools, uh, they had to pay a Philistine uh, blacksmith to sharpen whatever tools they were using for farming. And an ox goad is a farm implement used to, if a cow's pulling a plow, to, you jab them with it and you make the cow go. What would it be shaped like? Like, what would it look like? Like a spear with a sharp end. And uh, killed 600 people with it. You know, that is kind of crazy to think about. It's like one person has, like, basically a spear, yeah. and you kill 600 people... What are the 600 people in front of you doing? Like, are they swinging <laughs> anything at you? Like, are, are they just zombies? Like, You can get, like, five at once, probably. Like, like I can... Ram through. I can see the walking yeah. dead, somebody killing 600 people with a gun, but why is 600 people letting you kill them with a spear? It's, it's kind of interesting, because it feels like there might be, like, a leaderboard in the Bible for people who killed the most Philistines. Yeah, he's right like, on there. Yeah, 600 Philistines with a goad, uh, ox goad. You know, J- David's got the most uh, Philistine foreskins, you know. Yeah. Now, you were just asking a question about that, which, yeah. mean, which means you're interested. Yeah. H- how many questions did we ask about yours? I, you <laughs> are, no. oh, I mean, that's on everything. I, I, I mean, it was about the ox goat. It wasn't about Shamgar. So. It's a package deal, Frank. I do like the name, though. Shamgar is a great name. It's solid. Uh... Yeah. Oh, do you think for like a baby girl Shamgar would be appropriate? Yeah. No, no. Uh, no. You expecting? Expecting, yeah. Oh, looking, sweet, looking for yeah, some yeah, dude. Here, so. yeah, no, Shamgar. Yeah, Shamgar? No, I, I mean, Agar, dude. We already talked about it. Oh, you're right, you're right. Hagar, I, I wouldn't do it, but uh, I do guess that names are 
you know, who knows what name belongs to what gender. Sam, Kim, they're, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they can go both ways. Shamgar, I think, is kind of in the same category. Oh, I might I have a baby named Alex. You don't know if it's a boy or a girl. I have a yeah. baby named Shamgar. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know if it's like a troll. Yeah, it's like gender that. fluid. Give her a little ox goat. Yeah, yeah that, that's great. <laughs> there you go. There you go. This is sweet. This is uh, exciting. Oh, that'd be cute. That'd be cute. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, parent of the year. Parent of the year. Absolutely. Naming your kid Sham. They get made fun of in school, though. Mm, that's concerning. But that's you know. Kids are mean. Kids are mean. Oh no, no. I mean, in the this is the twenty twenties, dude. You know. Uh, I think I think bullying kids is still sort of in fashion. Yeah. Regrettably, I'm not going to go on the podcast mm-hmm. and say that's good. I just think it's mm-hmm. happens. I yeah. I mean, I guess. I you know, a te- therapist, so I know these things. There's mm-hmm. that's oh, true. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, somebody was ballsy enough to name their kid Dick Butkus, so you know, I guess Shamgar wouldn't be that bad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so Paul, uh, you have a fourth round pick. I guess it's kind of a it's kind of a tag team, which uh, if we're letting Melchizedek through, then might as well. We'll do see. It. We'll see. So you're look, Kevin. You're looking for a girl name. How about uh, Witch of Endor? <laughs> for Samuel twenty eight, Saul dresses up and goes to the Witch of Endor. Now you know which uh, Star Wars picked up on, right? Endor planet. Mm-hmm. I've heard that name. So tag teamed with the the ghost of Samuel, who was a human being, right, Frank? Yeah, uh, Samuel, yeah. yeah. So he comes up. So Saul wants to get advice from Samuel, which of Endor. I don't know. It doesn't say how she does it, but she calls him up, and Samuel, the ghost of the dead Samuel who had died, reappears, and is like, "What are you bothering me for?" <laughs> Like, why are you bothering me? And, uh, and then, you know, it's, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty wicked uh, interaction, man. That's a that's a pretty interesting one. It also sounds like George Lucas stole uh, quite a bit yeah. from that. The spirit, the the ghost spirits that talk, Endor. Yeah, it sounds like Star Wars stole a lot from the Bible on that one. Oh yeah, ghost spirit. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Obi Wan and. Uh, Yoda when they come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. You think you think when you die you'll ever come <laughs> back as a, as a force spirit? I hope so. I hope you guys call me back for this podcast. I'll show you up. <laughs> that would that'd be pretty. We'll Which uh, for the twenty twenties and That's an interesting pick. I didn't have it on my board, but that's definitely I think worthy of the trap right. of the spot. Which, the Witch of Endor is off the board. <laughs> um, back to Kevin, your fourth round Kevin's like, pick. damn, that was my next one. Yeah, I'm at the <laughs> <laughs> I like the deep cuts, though. Oh, deep cuts. Um, yeah, so for my pick, for my pick, um, uh, this is a boring one. Maybe we'll see if I come up with a little sauce in the fifth round. Right. But, uh... I just I'll take Timothy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's got two letters written to him. Um, seems that yeah, it holds like a pretty uh, pretty good percentage size of uh, the text written in the New Testament. Um, I think Timothy's interesting. He's a young man by their standards. Um, he was a church leader, timid. Um, 
had a pretty, I mean, like, you know, I think he was put in charge to, my understanding, if I remember this correctly, he was put in charge to work on the leadership of a church that was kind of falling to pieces, mm. and then he's gone there to kind of fix things up, and you can imagine that being a really monumental task, really scary. Friend, good friends with Paul, good buds. Um, I don't know, I think Timothy's just a really, really compelling character. He's probably one of the more relatable characters, I would say, in um, the New Testament. I think a lot of us can see a lot of ourselves in Timothy, and so yeah, I, I think he's interesting. I feel feel pretty good about that. Yeah, feel pretty good about my fourth round draft pick. So, you know, not, not much more to say other than I think sometimes uh, sometimes familiar familiarity is very interesting. There you go. That's Wasn't what his like uh, mother a Jew and his father a Greek, or was it vice versa? He wasn't circumcised. We know that because he ended up. I forget what town they were going to, but Paul's like, dude, you need to get circumcised. Yeah. <laughs> so. He yeah. does it as an adult. Well, it's also recommended to him that he drinks because he's got a scared stomach or whatever. Yeah, he's good for, for his uh, stomach pain. So to all you grape juicers out there mm. who believe that every time the wine, that the Bible says wine, it's grape juice, uh, does grape juice have medicinal power? I would argue no. Tell me Welch's. Yeah, is it a good way to start my morning? I'm, I'm not saying it's not a good way to s- start your morning, but to cure yeah. your anxiety, I don't think it's doing anything. No, should drink more though. See where it goes. I mean, I guess if you left a Welch's bottle out for too long, maybe. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's fascinating. You know, fascinating character. I I don't I don't know. I think too. I mean, he co-wrote a lot of the books. He I did. Mention that. No, I don't. Uh. Yeah, he did co-wrote. He did co-write uh, a few books with Paul. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's a great pick. But uh, you kind of said that before well, the pick. It's no witch of Endor. I'll say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be honest about that. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, but I think when you're when you're talking about building a roster, you need to have some bread and butter. Like, get up some 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 guys you can build your some like, characters you can build your draft around. I feel like like David. David and Timothy. I have a couple like. Pretty sturdy picks, you know. I mean, you have famous people. I'll give you that. Now, I'm just gonna ask a question. Maybe this is naive, Frank. Um, do people in America find fame interesting? <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just curious. But biblical fame, I mean, you I'm know. Just, I'm just. I mean, I'm gonna say this: like Brad Pitt doesn't seem like a very compelling person, <laughs> but he's got washboard abs and been in a lot of movies. And I think he's interesting because of that. You know, so it's like his fame, I think, has really propelled him to these heights. So I don't know. I think Brad Pitt's got more interesting things than that. Like, he he and Angelina Jolie adopted, like, That's interesting. a bunch of kids from, like, other yeah. countries. Uh, is that my parking Hudson, spot? Hudson, was that your next pick? <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah. Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most interesting biblical character, Brad Pitt. On um, yeah, Hud, what's your pick? Um... So, yeah, this is where I'm going to probably get a little bit more basic. Uh, I actually really um, fuck with uh, what Paul was saying um, in the book of Judges. Uh, so there's another judge mentioned in Judges 3 uh, named Ehud. Ehud. Who uh, essentially what he does is he, uh, at one point there's a evil king that like ha- takes over the Israelites uh, uh, Eglon, king of Moab he had power over Israel and um, 
So essentially, Ehud, who's left-handed, I'm left-handed. My name's Hudson. Ehud, sweet. Ehud. Uh, Ehud, yeah. So he ends up uh, asking the king if he can speak to him. Uh, asks if he can speak privately. The king like sends all the servants out. He takes a knife that's strapped to his leg. He says, I have a message for you from God. And he stabs the king in the stomach. The king's fat, like, goes in <laughs> over the knife. And then the king dies. And then he, like, goes and gets the rest of the people of Israel. And he's like, yeah, I just killed the king. Let's fucking go. And then they just, like, <laughs> get get their power back. That's pretty sweet. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I think the description of him uh, just... Leaving that dagger like in the king's fat is pretty interesting to think about. It's apparently it's a double-edged sword, about a cubit long, which he strapped under the thigh of his cloak. So it sounds like it's pretty. Like an assassin, dude. Yeah, he's an assassin. Double O E. And he's an assassin for the Lord. I mean, that's that's pretty sweet. He's like the Blues Brothers. He's on a mission from God. Yep. Yep. R.I.P. John Belushi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, I, I think that's a solid pick. Mm-hmm. Definitely on my board for sure. Uh, fourth rounder. Two from Judges Chapter 3. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right um, for my fourth pick, um, what do you guys think of Dr. Doolittle? I don't think he's in the Bible. Right. Never saw the movie. The one? Are you talking about the fact that he like talks to animals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think there's lots of uh, lots of stories that have been made up over human history of of people talking to animals. I wish I could talk to my dog. Don't we all? Don't we all? Mm. And for that reason, I think Balaam is an interesting uh, character. He he's on the road. Um, He's talking to this king who wants him to basically uh, curse Israel, but Balaam is a follower of God and he won't do it, but he keeps on like sticking his toes out further and further. He's like, I'll go with you, but I won't say anything that God doesn't tell me to. God kind of told him not to go with him. Um, so eventually, you know, his donkey, who he's riding, um, his donkey sees an angel of the Lord and won't continue down this road. And Ehud keeps, starts beating his donkey. Um, Balaam? Balaam, sorry. Balaam starts beating his How donkey. my pick is you have to, like, <laughs> And eventually the, the donkey uh, is able to speak. And it's like, dude, why are you hitting me? I've been your donkey for all these years. Uh, there's an angel in front of me. Like, I'm not going to go any further. And then instantly uh, Balaam's able to see the angel. And he's like, oh, shit. I was a dick to my donkey. So, uh, there could be a defense for veganism there because, you know, his donkey was able to speak. Um, You know, he has emotions about things. He's able to see the angel. Um, So, there could be an argument for animals being more um, possibly having a soul to some degree. Not the same as a human soul, but to some degree. Um through this story of Balaam and his donkey. Uh, talk to J.P. Moreland. Um, I mean, we're taking we're taking an interesting turn in this conversation, but Hudson, I would say, you know, there's something that animates animals. There's a difference between animals and plants. 
what would you describe that as? Oh, not everybody would agree with you on that. Wait, are you picking Balaam or his donkey? Balaam. He talked to a donkey. He talked, okay. Respect. I mean, like, animals can be possessed by uh, demons for sure. I, I feel like that's that not like, that's not indicated in the story though. Yeah, well, that's indicated in the the Legion story with the pigs, but sure. Uh, and so, like, there, you know, it could be like a spiritual being, you know, possessed the donkey for a little bit. I don't know. Possibly, I'm not saying that I know that animals have souls in the same way that humans do. I would say that animals, I, I think, think, the animals have. Something similar to a soul, or like a lesser degree soul than the human being, were definitely made in the image of God. They are not. There's a difference there. However, they they have emotions. They feel things. They they at least have some sort of you know brain and thought. What degree of a spirit or soul do they have? That I I, I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, but. What do you guys think of the pick? That was on my board, actually. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'll take it. He's yeah. It's weird too because he's not clearly a worshiper of God, but he listens to God. He's later killed by the Israelites for opposing God, um, but he refuses to go against. God speaking to him. Yeah. So I don't, it's, it's not clear, to me at least, where he landed. We just know that he respected the voice of God. Well, in some ways, you know, you'd be like a, you know, to anybody who utters God's word and speaks to God would be a prophet in some sense, right? Mm. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting story. Um, Hudson, uh, Oh, wait, 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 wait. You have more picks. I have another pick. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't surprise yourself, Frank. Thank you. Um, for my fifth round pick, uh, there's a lot on the board here. A lot on the board. Um, I don't think we've taken a lot of each other's, have we? I don't think so. Either. I don't think so either. It's good. All right, all right. I'm going to do this. I made my critique earlier. Uh, I'm going to take the most interesting part of Jesus' family, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, hypocrite. I'm so, You've been a hypocrite this whole podcast. I am, I'm not a hypocrite. You keep on bringing up David, even though David's a shitty pig. <laughs> you, you're talking about, oh, it's Jesus' family sucks as pigs, and then you pick Mary. Oh, my. I, I said you've picked two people already in this draft who are in Jesus' family and not the most interesting person in his family. I'm being consistent here on that. One. Two. Think about this. Think about this. Mm. The Immaculate Conception. Mm. Mary is impregnated by God. If you don't have 50... Speaking of Star Wars, though. Go ahead. Because Anakin was, like, the birth of, like... Apparently his mom was impregnated by Darth Sidious's Metachlorians or whatever. So, I, yeah, actually, Star Wars is fairly biblical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, that'd Endor. Be Saint, Endor. That would be Satan. Satan. <laughs> Impregnating Mary. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's true. That's true. 
It just seems like he takes a good amount of inspiration. Which yeah, yeah no, I, which I agree. A lot of literature that happens. It's yeah. Star Wars one is one of them. Yeah, no, I mean like you know, as uh, oh god, I, I should have taken that pick. But anyway, <laughs> um, you're immediately regretting your pick. No, no, okay. <laughs> Here's the thing I'll say. I think it's incredibly. Uh, there's so many questions I'd ask Mary about the Immaculate Conception. First of all. Okay, so we understand pregnancy comes from sex. Not to take you guys back to 10th grade sex ed here. Yeah, so I think obviously it's a, it's a wild question here. How, how did Mary conceive uh, Jesus? And then, you know, she's the mother of God. Like, you know, in some way, you know, she feels like she's the person guiding him and in another way you know it's god so he's guiding her like that's got to be a weird interesting relational dynamic um i don't know i just think it's a really interesting pick um but for the sake of brevity hudson what do you got oh thank you all right uh so i i do think uh there's another interesting woman in the bible um her name's esther your last pick yeah, this is my last thing. Okay, Esther. Yeah, Esther. So, uh, one thing that's interesting about Esther from the get-go is she's kind of on the Bible's version of The Bachelor, where uh, the king at the time like says, give me all the beautiful women in the land, let me look at them, and I'm going to choose a wife out of them. And then, you know, you can kind of imagine it's kind of like reality TV show, and eventually, uh, you know, he picks Esther out of all of them. Uh, and so she's obviously a beautiful woman. She seems, she, she seems really respectful and um, considerate of, like, her cousin Mordecai and God uh, when she's making decisions. She ends up saving uh, the people, of, like, the Jewish people from what mm-hmm. could have been the first uh, anti-Semitic uh, genocide. Um, and she does it in a way where I think the other interesting thing is God uses her in a profound way to save his people uh, and he doesn't ask her to like uh, like go outside of like the normal gender rules she acts as a wife she acts as a queen and she like respects her husband but she's the one who's actually you know pushing like doing God's will there she's the one who's telling him like you know, kind of getting... She's the one who saves the um, the Jewish people in a way that's, like, not um, offensive to the mm-hmm. status quo, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I think the book of Esther in general, one thing is, like, it doesn't mention God um, in it, um, but, you know, it's clear that his hand is felt in the book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's also remarkably funny. And um, I was listening to a book on Jewish comedy, and he said that, like, he he broke up uh, Jewish comedy into, like, seven different categories. And he said that you could find an example of each of the different categories he was mentioning in the Book of Esther. And he said that it was, uh, it's interesting how there's some really comedic parts to it. Like, for instance, uh, the guy who, Haman? Yep, Haman. Haman, uh, the guy who wants to kill all the Jewish people. Uh, the king calls him in and he's like, I want to honor this dude. How should I honor this dude? He 
he hates Mordecai, mm. but he thinks he's talking about him. So then he's like, oh, you should do this, do oh, this, do this. Yeah. Do this. Uh-huh. And then the king's like, oh, sweet, I'm going to do this to Mordecai. He's like, ah. Oh. Mm. And then he, like, brandishes a 50-foot pole. He's like, I'm going to get the king to step, like, shove Mordecai down it. And then he gets shoved down the pole that he's... So it's just kind of like a, a big sense of irony. It's it's a really funny book, and uh, but it's also it's just kind of uh, an outlier in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just a really interesting. Book. Yeah, I I agree. I think Esther is a great fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, she saved the whole nation of Israel. Um, that's important, but also the way that it happens is is really interesting. The way that she's like, you know, really thoughtful and um, and kind of witty, while also being the 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 woman who won the the ancient bachelor. Yeah, it's a female hero in an ancient manuscript. Absolutely, very rare. Yeah. All right. So to Big Kev for the last yeah, draft. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna kind of get right back to where we begin. Uh, I'm gonna take Jonathan. I think Jonathan, I'm taking Jonathan because it's the right pick. Um, <laughs> so that's like first off. So, uh, but no, I, I like Jonathan uh, as my fifth round draft pick to kind of compliment, like, you know, build the bookends of my draft here between David and Jonathan. Uh, so I think Jonathan's a great picture of like sacrificial, unconditional friendship. I think that a lot of us really desire friends that would do anything for us, that would put aside their like maybe rightfully earned or deserved fame um, or fortune on behalf of someone else and do it willfully. Mm. I think with Jonathan, he was the he was the uh, next in line to the king, to the throne, and Saul um, well threw that away through his actions. So we have David who usurps the line, which is what God wanted or what God used. And Jonathan would have been the one there, but we see Jonathan become David's ultimate advocate, his friend. Uh, you have a great picture of male friendship, which is so lacking between Jonathan and David that they're emotional. Um, I just think you see time and time again, Jonathan just treat David like, like be his biggest advocate, supporter, um, confidant. And I, I just think Jonathan's really interesting. I think he's just a really cool picture, kind of like you're saying, Paul. That you have this picture of an awesome, um, an awesome woman in an ancient manuscript. Yeah. Or manuscript. Wow, that was rough. Uh, an ancient <laughs> manuscript. I think you have this picture of like an awesome male friendship yeah. at a time where it doesn't seem like I don't know it doesn't it just seems it seems rare to get a picture of that. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's holds the test of time too. I think the David and Jonathan friendship is one of the coolest friendships depicted in anything. So. Yeah, I I think um, I think you definitely have the number one biblical bromance, uh, and I I do like that pick. I think he's an interesting character. Uh, I think too. Uh, isn't there a story about how Jonathan is like? Uh, in a battle, and Saul like says, "Anybody who eats this day uh, shall Jonathan get executed." Too. And then Jonathan eats, and then uh, Saul's like, "Oh, I'm gonna have to kill my son! Oh no!" And then somebody else is like, "No, that's stupid." And then he, and then Saul like says, mm-hmm. "Okay, maybe not then." Yeah, Jonathan was a badass. Yeah. Like, yeah, real cool character. So definitely a he warrior. Is, yeah. Uh, Paul. Last what? last pick. Last huh? pick. Right. You're uh, Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> what my pick I feel like could have gone first overall if we wanted to but uh, why didn't you take it then uh, sleeper okay <laughs> sleeper pick 
is uh, Judas Iscariot. Yeah. Yeah, fair. All my board. Uh, sorry, Frank, nothing sexual <laughs> to, mention about, to mention about this one, but there's other things that are interesting in life. And uh, <laughs> one is how could you be around the Lord throughout his entire ministry? see the things that Judas did and still uh, choose against him. We, we, he betrays Jesus with a kiss. That's pretty uh, ridiculous. Uh, were you about to say that that was... Well, for, I, for, I, for, I, for, I, I, slowly <laughs> seeing some people's books, you know? Um, this is a great day. We see his guts spilling out in, uh, in uh, Acts 1. Uh, and you see uh, Jesus saying it'd be better if that man was never born, insinuating his, it's the one person we're sure about, well, that at least is, it's the clearest person we see in all the Bible uh, that did not, was not saved, that received God's judgment eternally. And so, uh, and he's someone that, uh, after what he did, he regretted it. Yet it was yeah. this concept of a sorrow that, that wasn't, that didn't bear repentance, and uh, killed himself. It's it a fascinating character. Yeah, I think um, I think he's he's interesting because kind of at the end there, like you said, he has that sorrow, that worldly sorrow, um, where he realizes he did wrong, and then he, you know, he hangs himself. And you kind of, you know, I, I don't think we relate completely to Judas, but I think a lot of times, I don't know, I personally experience this, this shame, you know, that that feels like I fucked up or did something terrible, and, and like, you feel shitty about yourself, and, and it's really hard to forgive yourself sometimes with things like that, mm. and I, I, I've had friends like that, and... Um, you know, it's a sad story, uh, for sure. Definitely interesting, because he did see all those miracles, and he was, you know, he, he was kind of betraying Jesus the whole time with the with money, like stealing money from those guys and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how how do you let that happen? And then also, like, mm-hmm. you know, you realize you screwed up in a major way. I think we all have to wrestle with that worldly sorrow in some sense to get towards the godly sorrow. You know, we have to take it to God somehow. Um, like, how do we forgive ourselves for the mistakes that we've made, the ways that we've hurt people? Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that's, that honors God instead of just, right? And think of that scene where it's like, where uh, John's like, who who's gonna betray you, Jesus? And he's like, it's the one I uh, dip this piece of bread in and hand it to. Mm-hmm. Hands it to Judas and then says, "What you're about to do, do quickly." That's pretty. That's pretty <laughs> sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Take this piece of bread. All right. Well, that that uh, finishes the draft. Do we have any uh, honorable mentions? Mm. That people want to throw out there. I think uh, I got a couple. Deborah, being a female Sorry. judge, um, yeah. I I think that's pretty interesting. I I wanted to learn more about her. Um, Rahab, 
the prostitute uh, of Jericho who mm-hmm. um, who kind of like you know uh, betrays her town for the Israelites, but she's like a she becomes a follower of God. She seems pretty cool. Um, Daniel and Joseph, interpreters of dreams. Um, that that'd be pretty oh, badass. Mm-hmm. Joseph on the board. Yeah, Joseph was a slave, and then you know basically became second to the the Pharaoh. So it's like well, you became the star of the Prince of Egypt, right? <laughs> that too. That's uh, well, no, no, no. That's Moses. Oh, I missed that movie, so I'm oh. just making a guess. But there is a sequel <laughs> about Joseph, so I can't remember what that's called. Can't wait to watch it. <laughs> uh, Job is certainly interesting. <laughs> the way he loses everything. Yeah. Um, oh, well, speaking of the Prince of Egypt. Moses. Mo- Moses, boy, yeah. Would it, would, Pharaoh. Moses definitely could have been taken. Pharaoh. Parts of the Red Sea. Aaron. The plagues. Aaron. Aaron yeah. Aaron's cool. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. I was thinking, like, you know, Barnabas is fascinating. Barnabas. Mm, yeah, cool dude. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool dude. Yeah. Little, real badass guy. Son of gratitude, right? Yeah. Paul the Apostle. I always thought, yeah. I always thought there could be a good, like, major motion picture on the life of Paul. There's been right. one in development with Hugh Jackman. No way. That has never gotten made, but it's been like I've read articles about like, okay, it's in development, so maybe there could be huh. one sometime. There, there was one with uh, it called Peter and Paul with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, Anthony no Hopkins, which was it was interesting. Huh. To say, it was a TV movie in the eighties, uh, but like BBC or something, or something along yeah. those lines. It was like high quality for what you'd expect uh-huh. a TV movie to be, uh-huh. but that's worth checking out. It's mm. not not flawless. Oh, speaking of Peter, is he the first pope? I think it's a pretty mm. interesting conversation you can have okay, about that. Other yeah, than, I mean, I mean he's an honorable mention, but he's got a lot of other things going on. He denied Christ three times. You know, he does. Okay. He does model the the opposite of what we talked about with Judas. That um, godly sorrow by the end of it, where he's able to forgive himself um, and kind of take his identity. Well, see the love that God has for him, um, rather than the kind of the, the loathing and hate that he has for himself. On that, um, he makes mistakes, but he's able to continue through. Um, so there's a lot of cool things. And then you know, is he the first pope? That's an interesting question. I'd say no, but. It's still interesting. I mean, I would hope not. You're not Catholic. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, but yeah, guys, that was a great draft. Um, I appreciate you guys. Uh, you guys coming and and uh, you too, Frank. And yeah, thanks, Frank. Mm-hmm. It was a Frank. good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, until next time. Um, you know, if you if you listen to this, hit hit us up with any ideas um, for what another biblical draft could be. Um, you know, give us some feedback. Tell us what you think. But uh, thanks for listening. If you got to this point, very much kudos and very much thanks. And, and, you know, have a blessed day. Remember, it's time to be frank. It's time to be frank. Yeah, so I think obviously it's a, it's a wild question here. How, how did Mary conceive uh, Jesus? And then, you know, she's the mother of God. Like, you know, in some way, you know, she feels... Like, she's the person guiding him, and in another way, you know, it's God, so he's guiding her. Like, that's got to be a weird, interesting relational dynamic. Um, I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting pick. Um, But for the sake of brevity, Hudson, what do you got?